Good morning, Redemption Flagstaff. So delighted to be with you uh, as we have been digitally over the last couple weeks. Uh, this is week three of kind of this new season of trying to figure out ways to do things. And so uh, kind of a neat addition today is, is Pastor Anthony is here with me as well. And uh, the text we're going to look at today, this kind of third part of the Lord's Prayer, I honestly just love Anthony's views and thoughts and conversations that we've had um, around this idea. And so we just was really excited to, to be able to have a conversation with him as we went through the text. And so thanks for being here. I love you. Um, a couple things on the front end here. I want to let you know, <clears throat> at the very end of our live stream today, uh, during the benediction, I'm going to give uh, a quick snapshot of what Easter is going to look like and coming into Holy Week. And so just uh, I want to say that on the front end, don't tune out before the end of service, because it's really important information for next weekend uh, as, we, as we move into Easter in this new kind of digital format. So uh, if you haven't been with us, we have, uh, we've started a digital series here through the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6, uh, trying to just zoom in about like what, is, what does prayer look like explicitly as Jesus literally comes in. He's like, hey, like, pray like this. It's as explicit and clear as Jesus can be what does it look like for us to pray well uh, in our lives, and, and especially during times like this? And so uh, the, two weeks ago, we, we moved into really the, the introduction of this, and then the first part of Our Father in Heaven. Uh, last week was Hallowed Be Your Name, and then, and then today we'll move into part three. So let me open up with just uh, kind of reading the, uh, the, the prayer here from Matthew chapter six. If you have your Bibles, we would encourage you to turn to it, and hopefully you do have it. We think it's important that together we open up the scriptures, and so if you have that in front of you, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start here in verse 9. So here we go. Excuse me. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so the zoom in today is on that third part. And so maybe you want to intro us to that third part today. Yeah, yeah. How about we just even pray to get started here? And, Wonderful. Uh, yeah, let's just, let's just pray as we get into yeah. this. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you show us how to pray. I think we would kind of be lost in prayer if we didn't have you uh, to, to guide us in this. And so I'm thankful that the disciples asked you, what it means for us to pray. So God, as we dive into this third part of the prayer, I, I pray that you speak to us, that you guide our church, that you, that you are our teacher today, not mere events, but that you through the Holy Spirit are teaching us and guiding us as to what it means uh, to pray this prayer, that your kingdom come and that your will would be done. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we, we need you. Amen. All right, so yeah, so we're in part three of... This sermon series, and so today we're, we're going to be looking at the portion of the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. And so we're going to pull a classic Redemption Flagstaff and we're going to play a, a Bible Project video for you guys. We think, uh, honestly, probably the best way for us to be all on the same page as to what 
God's kingdom means and is and all that is to kind of watch this video from the Bible Project on what the kingdom of God is. And so we love the Bible Project videos. We think even in this time of live streaming and all this kind of stuff, it's just a, another great way to engage you guys. It's maybe even more engaging than us on the camera. And so uh, we're going to watch this video about the kingdom of God and what that means and, and start diving into the Bible Project stuff. We think the Bible Project guys are doing an incredible job with the work they're doing and and we think they're an invaluable resource. And so we're going to cut to that clip now, and then we'll come back and we'll start talking about what, this, what it means to pray for God's kingdom to come. There's this beautiful poem. It's in the book of Isaiah. The city of Jerusalem has just been destroyed by Babylon, a great kingdom in the north. And all of these Jewish people, they've been sent away into exile, but a few remained in the city. And they're left wondering, what just happened? Has our God abandoned us? Right, because Jerusalem was supposed to be the city where God would reign over the world to bring peace and blessing to everyone. Now Isaiah had been saying that Jerusalem's destruction was a mess of Israel's own making. They had turned away from their God, become corrupt, and so their city and their temple were destroyed. Yeah, everything seems lost. But the poem goes on. There's a watchman on the city walls. And far out on the hills, we see a messenger. And he's running towards the city. He's running and he's shouting, good news. And Isaiah says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful feet? Yes. The feet are beautiful because they're carrying a beautiful message. What's the message? That despite Jerusalem's destruction, Israel's God still reigns as king, and that God himself is going to one day return to this city, take up his throne, and bring peace. And the watchmen sing for joy because of the good news that their God still reigns. Now in the New Testament, we find this same phrase, the good news. It's the Greek word euangelion, and it's also sometimes translated with the word gospel. So when Christians say, do you believe the gospel? They mean, do you believe the news? But not just any news. In the Bible, this phrase is always about the announcement of the reign of a new king. And in the New Testament, the Gospels use this phrase to summarize all of Jesus' teachings. They say that he went about proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom. So Jesus saw himself as the messenger, bringing the news that God reigns. Yes, but the way that he described God's reign, it surprised everybody. I mean, think, a powerful, successful kingdom. It needs to be strong, able to impose its will, able to defeat its enemies. But Jesus said the greatest person in God's kingdom was the weakest, the one who loves and who serves the poor. And he said that you live under God's reign when you respond to evil by loving your enemies and forgiving them and seeking peace. This is an upside-down kingdom. Now Jesus also said that this kingdom was arriving with him. Yeah, so for example, there's this really interesting story where there's a high-ranking Roman officer and he comes to Jesus begging him to heal his servant. And he even calls Jesus his Lord, acknowledging that Jesus is his authority. Jesus praises this man for recognizing what no one else yet had, that not only was Jesus announcing God's kingdom, he was the king. And so the word gets out that this Jewish man from Galilee is talking and acting like he's the king of Israel. He's appointing 12 disciples, which are an image of Israel's 12 tribes. He's healing people forgiving people their sins. And all of this so threatened Israel's leaders that they finally decide to have him killed. 
And Jesus let them. Yeah, which is a weird thing to do if you're trying to become king. That's right. But for Jesus, this is what had to happen. Jesus saw the sin and the devastation of his people Israel as just one small part of the entire human condition. How all humanity has rebelled against God, resulting in the tragedy and devastation of our whole world. So how is God going to bring his reign over such a world? Jesus believed it would be through an act of sacrificial love for his enemies. This is why in the Gospels, Jesus' crucifixion is depicted as his enthronement as the king of the Jews. Yeah, he receives a crown. He also receives a robe. He's exalted up, not onto a throne, but onto the cross. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. And the good news now is that Jesus has defeated death and that he reigns as king, that he's dealt with our sin and corruption himself and that he's conquered it with his life and with his love. And then Jesus sends his followers to go out and keep announcing this good news of the upside down kingdom. And to invite everyone to give their allegiance to him, the king who defeated death with his love. All right, we hope you enjoyed that video. We love that video. That's honestly one of my favorite Bible Project videos. I think the imagery of the messenger running, uh, sharing the kingdom news is like stuck in my head for life, and I'm, I'm thankful that it is. I'm thankful for the illustrators that illustrated that way. And so, so now let's get into this, this idea of, of to pray for God's kingdom to come. And this, the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's right in the center of this Sermon on the Mount, that, as we call it. And it's really, the Sermon on the Mount a lot of times is, is kind of like referred to as almost like, like Jesus' like constitution for believers, or, or we could see it that way. And so if prayer and the Lord's Prayer is at the center of this, and even kind of this, your kingdom come, your will be done, almost at the center of the prayer, I think like this is pretty important for us to, to focus in on. And so we're going to focus in on a, a like, all the parts of this prayer and, and, and what that means for us. So, so let's just right away look at the first part of this prayer. It's just the word your. If you look at the word your, that I, I think it is really important to, to notice and understand that, that we are praying for God's kingdom. The your there refers to God, okay? It's not referring to someone else or us. Or it, it refer, it's referring to, to God. So, and I, I, I think noticing that is such a, such a good re- reminder for me personally, because I think I wake up every day with the opposite intent here. I wake up just thinking, how do I build my kingdom? What do I do to serve my kingdom? What do I do to serve myself? And then maybe once I start like realizing that I'm a Christian again that day when I wake up, then I start to go, okay, God, what are you about? But then when I start to go on autopilot, again, I'm, I'm just living my life looking to build my kingdom and do things that build my kingdom. And so we have to see right away in this portion of the prayer the your refers to God. The, the kingdom that we're praying for is God's kingdom. It's God's will. It's, it's how God would want things to be here and now on earth. And so we have to remember that God is the king of the kingdom that we're praying for. Yeah, I think that like the, the reality <laughs> of that being... Uh, this deep this, this deep entry into the prayer in this moment of like, 
gosh, it's not just like this entreating God, please do the things that we're about to say, but it starts off with this immediate kind of freedom of self-forgetfulness idea of, man, I'm trying to detach this from me, which is just a really difficult thing to do. So what a beautiful place to start. You move into the second part of it. It says your, and then what, kingdom come, right? So your kingdom come, when you begin to uh, really delve into what could this possibly mean. We just saw in the video like the beautiful imagery, the reality that Christ was preaching the coming kingdom throughout his ministry, that even when you think through gospel and good news and, and really the ethics, what does it mean to be a Christian? It's all kingdom language. Like this is what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom is to act this way. Uh, and so when we pray this, like when we, uh, we take a moment as Jesus is instructing us to pray, Lord, Lord, like your kingdom come, there should be some imagery that goes off in our head. Like what, what does it look like when a kingdom invades another nation? Right? When a kingdom comes in and takes over, what, what's the, the imagery? Like in the video, right, it's, it's a bunch of warriors on elephants. Like that's just kind of <laughs> this idea. But when you begin to really think, okay, once a kingdom has done that, it literally touches and changes and impacts every aspect of life, right? So like home life changes, work life changes, social life changes, education changes. Like they come in with a whole different worldview, uh, view of the way life should be, right? And says like, this is the way it's done now. And so this is God's kingdom coming, right? Like it touches and invades and, and it is meant to supersede every aspect of life. And so again, your kingdom gum is this movement towards, God, it's, it's not just that it's yours, but it's good, and I want that more than, than I want my own stuff, right? Which in our culture, it's just an incredibly difficult thing to navigate. The, the other part of this, right, is um, like if you're praying for the kingdom to come, that means it's not here yet, or, right? And Jesus say it's not fully here yet. He says, um, I've come to inaugurate the kingdom, right? Like he brings and ushers in the kingdom, but it's not fully here. And I shared this illustration, uh, I think years ago, back at the Orpheum uh, of this, like going to Disney. I grew up in Southern California. So we had season passes to Disneyland uh, and, you know, we'd just go as friends for a day or whatever. And so when you, when you get to Disneyland, you do, you pull up into the parking lot and, and even as you're driving up, right, there's billboards and there's signs it feels Disney, right? Like Mickey's out there waving and stuff like that from the parking lot. You get on the tram that takes you to uh, and drops you off right for the ticket place. And it just gets more and more and more Disney as you get there, right? The stuff, you know, people with the hats and weird stuffed animals and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you go buy your ticket and then you, but you're really not in Disneyland until you go through the gates and then, and then you're really there, right? So it, it, this idea of the kingdom is it, is it is present and there are signs of it everywhere, but we're not fully in the park yet, right? Yeah. Like we're not fully into the park this side of heaven uh, until we get reunited with them. And so the, this other part of the your kingdom come language is this, God, like we realize this world is not as it should be, right? It, it's, not, it's not fully Disneyland, right? Like the world is broken and how much, is there a better time for us to truly acknowledge that right now than the season that we find ourselves in where life is very upside down for many of us. Uh, many of us are experiencing um, at real deep levels pain and difficulty and stress and fear, anxiety in ways that we never have before. Um, and so I think we get this real sense even as we look in our own lives and then look across our city and world as death tolls rise and, and more people get sick, people that are closer to us, like it just begins to say like, 
this world is not as it should be. Lord, would your kingdom come? Like, would your way of doing things, would that, would that be present? Okay, so um, th- then he says this other part, which is, it's, it's a similar idea, but just your will be done, right? Yeah. So it's kingdom come and your will be done, not my will be done, which is, again, such a, abs- like, and it's, I'll vouch for Anthony, when he wakes up, very selfish, yeah, okay? Right, so, right. Um, but That's just that right. idea of, like, I think we all, we're all just, like, an incredibly our will driven people like we want what we want and we want it now this is this intentional kind of jettisoning of my desire my hope and said god i i want what you have for me i want your will to be done um when you navigate this idea of will and and we can't delve too much into it uh from a theological perspective but but this this idea of that that god has this sovereign will and he has also like this moral will and I'll, i'll break it down like this um, when I think about my kids, and many of you families, if you're at home, like you're getting a lot of time with your kids right now. They're not in school. They're not doing that stuff. And so um, I've really zoomed in on how I'm parenting and, and what does life look like. The other day, James flipped over a chair, unzipped the bottom, crawled inside, and like hid in there. Like he's just, it's absolute chaos and yet beauty. Pixar saving our life, that whole type of stuff. Uh, and, and so um, in the midst of all that, there's a couple things, right? There is a will of mine that is seeking the flourishing and the good of my boys that they know nothing about, right? They just experience it, but they're not told about it. Like, they don't know that I pay the bills so that the electricity stays on. Oh, I tell my so kids. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you lord it over them. You, know, yeah. you turn the lights yeah, off like, that's house. what you get. Yeah, it's a, That I rent. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, I mean, that's right, but they, they don't know the, the workings of, like, the environment that Verity and I try and create for their good, for their flourishing. Yeah. They just live in it, right? Um, and, and even then, the, the things that might uh, be perceived as negative, but we know from our perspective they're better. But then there's, like, what would be equivalent of the moral will of God of the times I go to Finley and James, and I'm like, dude, do not hit your brother, right? Like, do not eat your foot that just stepped in coronavirus, right? Like, it's yeah. just like, yeah. like, just these things are like, hey, do not do that. Like, that, that's God calling us and saying, no, no, my will is not just like, it's not just the, the, the environment I've created, the story I'm writing, the things that you cannot know about. I've also told you the way I want your life to be. Like, I've told you what life should look like. And so again, this prayer is such a gift to the church because it, if we think life is best lived through our lens, then this prayer is terrible. If, if as Christians we move towards life is best lived when it's lived underneath the view and the desires of the one who created it, then this prayer becomes beautiful because it's this movement away from me and this movement into, God, please come and do your stuff, right? Like, it's an entreating for it to happen, but also an acknowledgement of God is bringing his kingdom. Like, both of those things are happening in the midst of it. So that's, for those those two lines, a beauty in the prayer, but this last part is really like, it clarifies it all. Almost like, what does this look like? Yeah, so we we go then into the part of the prayer that says, on earth as it is in heaven. And so, we want to pray for his kingdom to come. We want to pray for his will to be done. But where, where are those prayers happening? Where is that stuff happening? It's on earth as it is in heaven. And so really the vision for this part of the prayer is just simply this, is that earth 
would be like it was in the presence of God. I think sometimes we, when we pray that heaven word and we think through that, we think about dying and, and being in this like cloudy place with God. That, that's amazing. And, uh, and I think a lot of times that word heaven there in the Bible, it's trying to convey the presence of God. Yeah. And that the presence of God is altogether different than what our life is like or what this earth is like. And so that's, that's the vision for this part of the prayer is to simply just go, God, let where I am, let where we are be as if it is in your very presence. I, I think that's like such a, what a like divine mystery. What a humbling thing that we get to pray that. Like, I just, I, I honestly, I, I sit and I, I'm like, man, is it, do we really get to pray this? Do we, like, d- does it even make sense for us to pray this? Why does Jesus, God of the universe, invite us into prayer? There's this, there's this mystery of, of how when we pray this, it lines us up with making us centered on God's kingdom. And then not only that, and, and realizing how God's bringing about his kingdom, but there's almost even this, like, participation right. And in bringing about yeah. God's kingdom when we pray this, which that part of the prayer, I, I just, I, I really can't understand that, <laughs> why God would even invite us in in that way and have us participate in in that way. And so it really, it, it's just astounding to me that, that Jesus even added this, this on to the prayer when have us pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in his presence, right. as it is in heaven. Yeah, I, there's like a real that. sense of like in the midst of it, it's meant to elicit, I think, right when Jesus was sharing with his apostles yeah. and disciples in this moment, the Sermon on the Mount, as all the people are gathered, it was meant to elicit longing, yeah. right? Like, gosh, like th- this is not great. Yeah. Mu- like something is better. And they, they had a view, like they had a vision of, of what kind of heaven would be. And, and, and now we have the same thing. And I think even, you're right, just kind of pulling that away from maybe some of the, like, Hollywood, yeah. you know, Cartoons, interpretations yeah. instead of like this, no, this robust returning of perfection and saying like, no, like this, this is what he's, Jesus is calling us to pray like, God, we want it to be perfect here again. Like, yeah. like we, we want the garden to be back in all its fullness yeah. and, and we're hoping, we're hoping for that. So um, all that said, right? Like, okay, what does it, what does it mean though? Yeah. Okay. So uh, if, if the prayer starts to shape out pretty clear, like we get a decent idea here of uh, this, is, this is why he's asking them to pray that. Yeah. This is what it looks like. Um, let's just zoom in on kingdom, though, right, a little yeah. bit. Like, what, the, what, the, what does it really mean for it to come? How does, that, how does it bear on us? And, and I think uh, that, that Romans text that we talked about is, is perfect for this. So why don't you read that? Yeah, I, mean, I already turned here, but I want to give you guys a second home turn. We're going to be in Romans 14. Uh, it's a it's a letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament. We're going to be in Romans 14. We're going to be in verses 17 through 19 here, okay? Um, and I think what this does, it, it helps us kind of define the kingdom in very practical terms. They're broad terms, but practical terms. And so uh, I just want to read from Romans 14, verse 17 through 19. Here we go. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. I want to give a little background on, on this passage. Is 
basically what's happening in Romans 14 is there, there's kind of these two groups of Christians. One group of Christians, they, they think, hey, you can't eat these certain foods for certain reasons. And there's kind of debate about that. But there's probably something with idol worship and, and different things going on there. And they're going, hey, to be faithful to the, the God of the universe, we can't eat the, these, these, this food in this certain way. Now, there's this other group of Christians. They're, they're going along and saying, listen, Christ has actually freed us and he's cleansed food and he's cleansed these things and his his death is so powerful that we know that that food isn't really sacrificed to any real idol or anything these are just fake human made things and so there was this debate in the church and it was causing these tensions And, and so Paul is addressing that and in the in the midst of addressing that we see him actually help define what the kingdom is about right and, he, and, and how the kingdom and how praying for the kingdom and living out the kingdom comes to bear on this issue, on this. Because yeah. I, I honestly, I kind of relate to both sides of the argument. You got people that want to be faithful to God. That sounds awesome. Like, that's a good thing. You should do that. And, and you got people that go, yeah. the cross of Christ is so powerful that, that, that he's, he's brought us a, a new sort of freedom that we haven't had before. And so... Uh, Paul, though, he goes, look, God's kingdom is not about making sure you do this thing or do that thing more than it is about caring for each other and loving yes. each other. And like, like the way that the kingdom comes to bear is on their relationship, on, on, on how they love. So I don't think Paul was saying, oh, being faithful doesn't matter. Or because you see in this passage in Romans 14, he's like, no, that, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Or not remembering Jesus's uh, powerful death on the cross. He's not saying that doesn't matter either. But what he's saying is for those things to come to bear, faithfulness looks different. Right. Kingdom living looks different. And I love these, these three things that he gives us for what the kingdom is about. I'd love for you to just kind of share, like just talk. And I I think it helps us like know what it means for us to pray for the kingdom to come. If we look at these three kind of broad strokes, Mm -hmm. I think it helps us to pray and ask God to bring his kingdom in specific ways. Yeah, I mean like what... What a gift that, like, in the midst of, uh, in the midst of, like, a, what was a real fight, right? Like, yeah, it, yeah. It was like, this stuff was, like, serious for them. This, it sounds crazy to us, right? Yeah. Like, ah, oh, they're fighting over food or whatever. Because we eat a lot of food. We, we'd kinda, be on the food eating side, unfortunately. We just, we just both eat it. I mean, we shouldn't say the restaurant name. I don't know if we're going to do that. I That's a free publicity for them. Sure. Pato? Yeah, we, we Pato Thai. We eat a lot of Pato Thai. So, um, that being said, you know, like, this was a massive deal. And I love that Paul's, like... Yeah, I get you're fighting, but let's talk kingdom, right? Like the, yeah. the, the, the kingdom of God language, the, that's how massive this thing was, was that it was so important uh, that they had to, that it was like the way they mediated debate. It was like, but no, but the kingdom does this, right? And so yeah. th- those ideas, uh, so it, it affects the way we view and worship God, yeah. okay? Um, it, it affects the way we view and, and treat one another, um, and then it certainly affects the way we pray. Like, yeah. like, and and the, the implications are vast, but specifically coming out of Romans 14, he's trying to, to shape the early church there yeah. in Rome because he knows the task is heavy. He knows the task is difficult and he sees the infighting and says, well, what does it mean for my people unite? And so th- that first one, right? Like the way we view and worship God, like it's, it's saying like, hey, especially during this time, right? It's, there are so many ways that we can be pulled to think about God right now. Yeah. Uh, so many ways that I think, uh, whether it be our own doubts, our own thoughts, 
the own ways we get pulled. It can be from mainstream media. It can be from whoever you, what podcast you listen to. There's just this, this reality of what we believe about God is being asked right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it should be the kingdom of God draws us into, this prayer uh, draws us into a right view of who he is. And that is he is the king. Yeah. Right, like it, it, like any kingdom has has a king. He's the king, the sovereign ruler over the world, and so that shapes then what our worship looks like. Yeah. Right, that that the other things begin to melt away because he's king, because yeah. he's creator, because he's he's sovereign lord. And so I think that's that's the first one. But. Yeah. No, I think I mean I just love, I, I just love this framework he gives. I mean, uh, if you go to verse seventeen and you just look at how how he begins to to define the kingdom, right is in these in these three ways, right, is uh, righteousness, peace, and joy, uh, peace, and then joy in the Holy Spirit. And what I love about that is, it, it's just a beautiful. That, I mean, that sounds like the Christian life, right? Like it sounds like what we're supposed to pray for in life as Christians. Pray that God's righteousness abounds. Pray that peace, shalom, harmony abounds amongst us. Pray that we would be content in our relationship with God so much that there was, there's this joy that we have in the Holy Spirit. I just, I, I love that. I right. feel like if, if that's what kingdom praying is for us, if that's right. how Paul is defining the kingdom for us, it makes praying for God's kingdom to come easy because we can pray, yes. God, let your righteousness abound in all these ways. God, let, let peace abound in all these ways. God, let us have deeper joy in you in all these ways. And so yeah. I, I just love that. I love that framework in, in verse 17. Yeah, I think it's like if you just, if you imagine life operated in the midst of the stress of, of any season, but specifically the stuff that, that so many of us are, are going through, some people certainly more than others, if, if, right, if you could substitute, right, like my will, like my striving, my let me just do everything right, and you, like the option is, hey, like give that away, stop clinging to that and say like, no, righteousness, peace and joy. Like I, that's, that should be every hand raised right now. Of like, yeah, no, that, that's what I'm in for. Yeah. Um, and just that, that, that freedom that is offered through the kingdom, right? Yeah. And then through this type of prayer of saying like, no, Lord, like, gosh, in, in the midst of the craziness, yeah. I'm running to this prayer, yeah. you know? I'm running to the fact that like I don't understand why this is all happening, but you're still king, right? Uh, Lord, this this is really difficult for me, but I still want your will to be done. And I want it to be both absolutely sovereign that I don't get, and I want you to tell me what I'm supposed to do right now, you know what I mean? And inviting that in, and just the unity that then comes out of that in the way that we're able to be with one another. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's <laughs> it, it really is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just it's just beautiful that in the gospel, like we get to because of what Jesus did, because of the good news of the kingdom coming to bear, like we get to approach the King, right? Like because He showed us what holiness is, we're not like eradicated by His holiness yeah. in prayer. Because He died on the cross, like like we get the good news, like that whole how beautiful the feet of yeah, you know, like that, that, how good was that? Though? Yeah, it was it was really was good. Really good. Uh, because of the resurrection, we're already invited into this kingdom life of what resurrected life looks like. It's what our new and true identity is. And so really the gospel, even just, it's just, we get to go to God now with 
everything. Mm-hmm. Even in this broken world and and, and and awaiting his return, we just get to go uh, to him with everything. Uh, I, I just, I, I love that. I, yeah. I just love that. How about this? I mean, I think like the reality of, um, as Jesus is sharing this prayer with with the disciples, yeah. um, with the followers, everyone who's gathered, uh, he's saying like, he's saying, hey, like our father, right? Yeah. Uh, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And like, he is the king. Like, it's just, it's yeah. just an interesting thing. Like, huh, he's, yeah. he's calling these people pray this way. Interesting. And yeah. he's like, and I'm him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's just, it is such an amazing thing. And even just the heart and the humility of Christ in that moment to like move these people towards praying to their father who is hallowed, who is king, when he is that hallowed king yeah. right in that moment. Yeah. But then, like we saw in the video, like this is all access through sacrifice, right? yeah. through death, through a movement towards the other that that seems to embody the way of Jesus. And, yeah. and so, I think that's where we just want to land for you all today is a vision. And this is this is kind of a word that that's been kind of kicking around in my head for a while. Um, thinking through kingdom language and, and what does it mean for the kingdom to come to bear in the church today? And it's this idea of embassy, right? And like we are, the church is is like an embassy of of God's kingdom in this world now, right? The kingdom has not fully invaded; it hasn't taken over, right, the world yeah. at that level. Um, and so the church is this is this living embassy that is to live out the values of the kingdom, which are righteousness, peace, and joy through the Holy Spirit in light of the gospel and the good news that has come to us. Um, We are called to not just embody the values, but then also bring those values which are good and meant to be a blessing to the world. We're meant to convey that through action, through word, to our neighbors, yeah. uh, and again, what like what a beautiful opportunity that is now. Like in, so, it moves into that. Yes, how beautiful the feet of Jesus, but then we're also told like how beautiful are the feet that bring the gospel yeah. in reference to the church now, yeah. right? So it's it's church. Like how beautiful are the feet of the church that go to bring the good news to a world that is filled with a lot of bad news right now. Yeah. So seriously, it's it's just a it's a I don't know. Hope it's when there's no picture. hope. Hope when there's no. I hope. just like I me mean, even just seeing in that Bible project video the guy the guy running into the city you know it 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 causes me to choke up because I just feel like man this is this is what Christ and Christians have brought into my life and the the spirit ultimately but yes. man just what a beautiful thing what a crazy thing that we get to pray about that and yeah yeah church um, let's say this last thing like the King Jesus. He reigns on his throne now. His kingdom has come, and it is coming. And it will in one day be here in its fullness. His will is here and is consistently trying to move us towards the life of Christ, the life of love towards one another. Um, This prayer, like Anthony said, it's both uh, an acknowledgement of that reality and a movement of us towards seeing that become a greater reality, both in our lives and the lives of those around us. So um, we landed here uh, ever, the last couple weeks, and it's just by reading this prayer with one another. As soon as I'm done reading the prayer, uh, we're going to cut to another, uh, another uh, video and poem that was done uh, by our friends at Redemption Alhambra. And so uh, enjoy that. But let me read our prayer for us one last time. 
and then uh, we will see you uh, at, during our response time in just a little bit. So um, pray this with us right now. If, if you're at home and you're watching, pray this with us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. We love you, church. God bless you. And when you pray, pray then like this. Go into your room behind a closed door without company. Pray to a Father who hears you completely. Our Father who is in fact in heaven with a name hallowed and excellent knows what you need before you even ask it. Jesus stood with his disciples reciting a prayer we'd someday put on our refrigerators knowing we'd gloss over its orders and expectations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but how can heaven be here? Look around, it's not hard to see chaos and uncertainty. Shouldn't God have fulfilled his promise to come quickly? We of little faith forget that he meets us in secret. In fact, most of his work is done opposite of how we'd expect it. He spoke to Moses away from civilization called faith a small seed and told us to have hope in what our human eyes cannot see. That the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden, akin to bread baked with leaven. It goes into a fiery oven, tribulation, where all the magic happens. But the leavening agent is his Holy Spirit. His kingdom come will be through us. God's will is done through his people, like the breath of life that turned us from dust to children. It's the same spirit that the apostles went out and proclaimed. This coming kingdom happens deep and inward, coming down to earth through us, witnesses bearing his likeness and meekness. Even now, as you sit behind your screen in isolation, he's using it, if we let him. It's his way, the way paved by suffering, done without boasting, not on street corners or in synagogues where the proud just want their glory. His kingdom on earth forms in hearts that sit quiet in prayer closets, how a womb shapes human life without eyes watching. He is preparing us for his coming. And even though he gives Satan permission to afflict us, we'll come out of this sealed and perfected. As we're forced inside to lay low and pray, let your four walls be a reminder of his protective nature. It's a picture of God working while the king of kings laid in a tomb. It was dark and his followers were confused. But all along, God was working while the world seemed shaken. Until that third day, the father beckons, son, it's time to rise. Your work has not been forsaken. Like that leaven to the bread, the Holy Spirit is asking to come in and do his redemptive work among the dead. To renew our dry branches and grow our trust in him through fire and tension. Do not miss your chance to be a reflection of God's promise to come back on a mission. It's like what Paul said in Romans, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We wait for him still, watching from our windows in obedience. For God's kingdom to come, 
and for His will to be done in our homes across cities and nations, revealing His work here on earth as it is in heaven.